We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, along with Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer here at SportingNews.com. Bill, did you have anything to write about last week after week two? Oh, there was plenty to write about. It was a wild (laughs) weekend, a lot of upsets. Good time, though. You know, it was a fun weekend and ready to get into week three. We have more than enough to talk about here. Thanks for joining us. No question. No question. We're doing uh, uh, we're, we're actually breaking the podcast up into two podcasts this week. Uh, moving forward, I think we're going to have a, a Wednesday podcast and then a Thursday podcast. Okay, The Wednesday podcast will kind of review what's going on during the week, news and notes and, and, and some of the notable results of the previous weekend. Thursday's podcast will look ahead to the big games of the following week. We'll do our picks. We'll do our, our confidence contest, our, our picks against the spread, who's doing better. We'll let everybody know. Hint, it's not me right now, but maybe it will be soon. Uh, we'll do some trivia on Thursday and things like that. So welcome in. Uh, now we're, we're doing two shows a week, one on Wednesday and one on Thursday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
to lead off our Wednesday show, uh, let's start with probably the biggest news of the week. It happened on Sunday afternoon, just as the NFL was uh, getting underway. Nebraska finally parted ways with Scott Frost uh, about two weeks, two and a half weeks ahead of uh, the October 1st uh, deadline where his buyout dropped from $15 million to $7.5 million. Bill, you reacted to it on sportingnews.com with a couple pieces. Uh, my first question to you is why didn't they wait till October 1st? Because it just had become too toxic at that point, I suppose. It went downhill after the week zero loss. Everybody was putting a number on it, and Trev Alberts made the business decision, the $7.5 million business decision to, to move on. And, you know, I guess that's why. I mean, they lost five another close game. It's unforgivable to lose at Georgia Southern or to Georgia Southern at home. It's bad when you have students chanting fire frost. Are you going to do that for nine weeks? I mean, I probably would have saved the money and got gutted it out through at least this week when they're going to play Oklahoma because nobody's talking about the revival of a great big Big 12 slash Big 8 rivalry. They're talking about Mickey Joseph being the interim coach. And I, that's just tough. I mean, Nebraska's got a lot of questions that, that need answered. And, you know, unfortunately for Scott Frost, he couldn't do it. And I feel for guys like that because he tried to go back to his alma mater and win and it didn't work out. The conversation, though, had they not done it with Fox, a big noon, three-hour pregame show, everybody focusing on that game. There really isn't that many great marquee games this week. The conversation would have been, when is Scott Frost going to get fired? Should he have already been fired? And now that conversation is kind of gone. So maybe while it was an expensive decision, you know, the players don't have to answer any of those questions and everything like that. They – you know, can still, I don't know, save the season is the right word, but they can focus at least on the games and the opponents and the practices and and the scheming. And they do not have to worry about whether or not Scott Frost is going to be their coach. Yeah. But they can worry about going four and eight. That's what they can do now. I mean, five and seven, maybe it's, I think they're going to get blown out, but we can get into that later. I, I think, they're in trouble on Saturday. Um, but you never know. They could come out with some emotion. But, you know, they're going to get asked about who's the next coach. I mean, you're that's the the bad thing about college football as compared to the NFL. When an NFL coach gets fired midseason, they don't start speculating about the coach until after Black Monday. For We're going to spend now till December speculating about Matt Campbell and Bill O'Brien and Urban Meyer. I mean, there, there's your big noon kickoff topic of discussion these guys asking urban meyer hey are you gonna go to nebraska and you know and that's that's unfortunate but i mean again i nebraska this is a a huge hire for them because they've spent 25 years trying to relive the past of tom osborne and hit hit every kind of stump along the way and and they really got to nail this next hire down I mean, there is a blueprint for this, right? USC fired Clay Hilton in week two last year, and there was speculation all year, and some guys got big raises, right, throughout the season. James Franklin, one of them. Uh, it's a possibility that they were going to go to USC and all this and that, and it actually worked out well for USC. They waited and waited and waited, and no one was, no one knew it was going to happen. They ended up with Lincoln Riley. Things are looking good at USC. Maybe Nebraska feels like, 
this is the time they can get a head start. They can vet who they want to vet and they'll get the guy they want. Interesting note, interim coach Mickey Joseph was injured as the Cornhuskers quarterback against Oklahoma uh, in uh, 1990 on a late hit out of bounds and really had a gruesome injury. Huskers fans remember that play. Um, and he was knocked out. Oklahoma won in a blowout that day. And uh, that was the end of, of Mickey Joseph's career. So now he gets a shot, maybe a little revenge for him on Saturday. Can the Huskers respond? What do you think? I think they're going to get drilled. <laughs> I do. I, I don't. I just that you're asking a lot. I, I think Oklahoma is going to come in there and, and you know, there's the team that now then again, Oklahoma didn't look, look great in the first half, but I, I think Nebraska will come out playing hard, but they just don't match up well on the perimeter. I think Marvin Mims is going to have a huge game. I think Dylan Gabriel doesn't turn the ball over. Um, it'd be awesome for Mickey Joseph and Casey Thompson and this Nebraska team to knock off Oklahoma, but um you're asking a lot. And I think Oklahoma is going to be focused here because they didn't look good in the first half against Kent State. And this is their opportunity. Last year, they really could have blown this thing open. They turned the ball over a lot. And that led to the Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams stuff. Um, I think the Sooners use this stage and kind of run away with it in the second half. And Nebraska, I mean, again, hope for better days ahead. But, um, you know, they're going to have to look at a place. I wrote about that Sunday for us at Sporting News that – you know, they're going to have to look at a place that they used to cremate teams like Iowa State and Baylor and Kansas State and Kansas. But I would make the contention that all four of those programs have a better coach than Nebraska does right now. And Kansas isn't in, in Kansas is 2 0. They're not better than Nebraska. The other three are Baylor is, Iowa State is. Is Matt Campbell leaving for Nebraska a lateral move? That's a real question that I never thought I would ask when I was a senior in high school. Who's your first call if you're Trev Alberts? Probably Matt Campbell. I like him. I like Jamie Chadwell, too. I saw some Twitter buzz about that. But I like Matt Campbell because he's a culture guy. He's a program builder. He was mentioned when Ohio State and Michigan, when Michigan and Harbaugh was on the hot seat, Matt Campbell became that name. When Ohio State, Urban Meyer retired now, if, if Brian Day wasn't, hired so quickly Matt Campbell would have been a name there um it's his chance to take that next step up I I think he'd be great for Nebraska and and kind of mix in the NFL development that he's done they're not going to be able to get a guy like Mark Stoops because Mark Stoops is at the better program at Kentucky now which is another Mm -hmm. crazy thing to say Mm -hmm. but um Jamie Chadwell Mark Matt Campbell maybe Lance Leopold I, I I really like him too I I just like the system that he's got going and you know those division three national championships got to matter sometime let's talk about a second power five blue blood to lose to a sunbelt team on saturday notre dame loses to marshall outplayed by marshall out toughed by marshall out executed in the fourth quarter by marshall uh and then Early in the week, they find out starting quarterback Tyler Buckner is out for the year. Preseason top five team in disarray right now. How much is on Marcus Freeman's shoulders right now? I mean, the honeymoon's over. Those losses stick. When when you're at Notre Dame, when you lose to a group of five school, they, you can't lose to Marshall. Just like BK couldn't lose to South Florida and Tulsa and even Cincinnati last year, 
it's early. And I do think I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Maybe it was you. Um, Ohio State at the end of that game just beat the hell out of Notre Dame on that last drive. 96 yards, running the football, physical game, big hangover game. And then Marshall did the same thing. They ran right at him and had a big game on the ground. Um, I don't have like a long-term answer on Marcus Freeman or Tommy Reese yet, but I know that's an unacceptable thing. And then it gets worse when you lose Buckner. I think their biggest issue is they can't run the football. They, they rank 110th in the FBS with three yards of carry running the football that and the, all the problems stem from that to me if you can't run the football you're gonna have problems and their best running threat is was tyler buckner like the offensive line was not getting anything on design run plays buckner's good with his feet drew pine backup qb now qb1 came into the game in a crucial situation i mean uh, notre dame was down two scores about two and a half three minutes to go when buckner got hurt they were deep in uh, marshall territory Pine comes in, just stares down a linebacker, doesn't see him, throws the ball right to him. Not an encouraging sign. And, uh, you know, the fact that Pine and Buckner even had a competition, right, during the preseason that Buckner won has got to be a little unsettling from the Notre Dame perspective. Yeah, and I think the good news is the pressure's off in some ways. I I heard this analogy made a couple years ago by Peter Burns. Um great radio personalities he likened college football to like a demolition derby where a car your car gets knocked out at some point in the race well notre dame's the first car so to speak that's knocked out out of the 10 to 16 teams that we thought so i think just beat cal let's start there they have to beat cal get to a bull game continue the momentum you've built in recruiting and make it so that next september when they play Ohio state at home, that the, the same buzz is there that was there this year. I think that's the challenge, um, you know, win eight or nine games, they still got Clemson, they still got USC. And uh, sometimes there's an advantage to being, there was never, it's never a good thing to have your car knocked out of the race, but I've always liked that analogy because once you get that second loss, you're kind of knocked out of the Derby, so to speak. Yeah, no question. It is a disturbing pattern that they, had the lead in the second half of the uh, Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. And then when push came to shove, they could not come up with a stop against Oklahoma State. They had the lead in the second half against Ohio State at a competitive game. Push came to shove when they had to stop Ohio State. They could not stop them. They had the lead in the second half against Marshall. Marshall goes 80, 85 yards. Defense played well for the most part. But again, when push came to shove and it was time to win the game, defense couldn't do it there's talent on the field so now you start looking at the coaching and i wrote about this in the preseason will we see marcus smart i mean how marcus marcus freeman uh repeat kirby smarts rookie year as a head coach uh coming in as a defensive coordinator and struggle uh smart went seven and five and went to the liberty bowl and had some ugly losses and some ugly uh, performances during that first year. Ever since, George has been in a national championship discussion every year. Look at Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator, first-time coach. He's only got one game under his belt, but that was not a pretty game either. Right. And maybe Marcus Smart should coach Notre Dame and lead the Celtics. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, no, I, you're right. I mean, there, there are going to be ups and downs. That was a well-timed column because 
yeah, it's easy to forget Kirby Smart's first year or Nick Saban's first year, or I believe Jim Harbaugh went 10 and three in his first year and got just nuked by Ohio state. And nobody's talking about that in Ann Arbor now. Um, so yeah, there's work to do, but I, I think to me, it's just win that first game. Cause if they lose again this week, then every meme and every tweet and everything's going to be zero and four and Cal got paid this and all those kind of things. They just need to win a football game now. You, you mentioned Nick Saban. Let's talk Nick Saban. Let's talk Alabama. Let's talk 20 to 19 win over Texas. That was uh scary for the tie 20 point favorites, 20 and a half point favorites. They needed Bryce young to rescue them uh, in the fourth quarter, which he did brilliantly. Um, but it, it continues a pattern that I don't know if we've overlooked as, as we made Alabama, the, the number one team in the nation preseason. Now they're still number two. Uh, the pattern of struggling on the road last year uh, with Bryce Young, a quarterback who eventually won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, they beat a Florida team that finished six and six by two points. They lost to Texas A&M, who went eight and four. And then against Auburn, who went six and six, they had to go four overtimes all on the road. Road games remaining, number 10, Arkansas, number 15, Tennessee, number 20, Ole Miss, and then the rivalry game with LSU. Uh, Do the Tide drop a road game this year, Bill? They could. I mean, every road game they have from here on out is going to be how Texas sold out this one. You know, the Longhorns were itching for that game, and and you got to give them – normally we spend the afternoon mocking Texas and – seeing Texas's back tweets on Twitter. It wasn't that because some people and myself included think they could have won that game. If Quinn Ewers would have played the whole game. Number one, number two, they could have won the game anyway. They could have won the game. If they called that safety, right? It wasn't a safety. It might've been um, intentional grounding at the very least. Uh, So yeah, I, I think this ended up a very sloppy road performance for Alabama, a hundred yards and penalties very poor drops, bad routes, couldn't convert on third down. Everything that Nick Saban despises happened. So it's a good thing they have Bryce Young because he bailed there. I almost said it. I almost said it. I didn't say it. I, I cleaned it up, kept it clean, kept it PG-13. <laughs> he bailed him out. Let's, you know, he bailed them out with the big plays and um, good for him. And, and it's, but even on that scramble where Ryan Watts missed the sack, the refs missed a holding call like an obvious holding call on the edge. So, I mean, he's a brilliant player. I love watching Bryce Young. I like the analogy Nick Saban made after the game, calling him like a point guard, because that's what he feels like, a really awesome point guard. I bet he can play that too. It was just amazing to see how sloppy uh, the the pre-snap penalties that Will Anderson had four penalties. He had a ridiculous late hit on some guy that was just totally unnecessary. I don't know. And he, he talked about the environment being like crazy and everything, but I mean, you're Alabama, right? You've, you you need to be above that. And if I'm saving, like I said, this is nothing new. They had a a few subpar road performances last year too. So it's going to be interesting uh, when they get on the road in the sec for sure. Um, Well, here you go, Bill. I mean, last loss at Arkansas, 2006. So they're going to be riled up. They're probably going to be undefeated. Last loss, at Tennessee 2006. Tennessee hasn't beat Saban, and they could be undefeated. They're going to be riled up. 2014, mm-hmm. Ole Miss beat them, but it's Lane Kiffin. 
you know, they that game was vacated, so you got to technically go back to 2003. And here's one I turned up that I thought was pretty funny. I would have never guessed this. Alabama's beat LSU 10 out of the last 11 times. And this is Brian Kelly's first shot at Alabama late in the season when they may have their act together. Um, So, I mean, yeah, these places, they're either going to come to the stadium and just, I don't think they're resigned to getting their butts kicked anymore. I think people on these road games think, Hey, maybe we can beat them this time. And, And, and that's what Texas felt like. So, We'll see, but I think that's something that Alabama over the next two weeks against Louisiana Monroe, they're not going to lose there. Sorry, Vanderbilt, you're in trouble. But I think they really have to gear their team to get get it together because that Arkansas game will be tough if they don't. I think who's in trouble are the Alabama players because uh, yeah. one of Saban's quotes after the game, I believe, was, well, when you practice hard, the games are easier. And when you don't practice hard, the games are harder. So my guess is they're practicing pretty hard this week. <laughs> yeah, and I remember a high school game that I played in, and we had over 100 yards in penalties, and we ran, I think we ran like 100 sprints, which was probably legal at the time. But whatever the <laughs> amount of yardage was, we ran that many sprints, and they may have been 10-yard sprints or something. Um, it was not a fun Saturday morning. So I'm in, I'm guessing Tuscaloosa practice on Monday and Tuesday was not fun. Zero no. fun, sir. So yeah. uh, I think they'll clean it up, though, this week. As the fun belt on Saturday, there was no fun in Tuscaloosa on Monday. Um, another news item, Michigan picks its quarterback, J.J. McCarthy is QB1. Uh, Harbaugh, you know, went through, similar to Lane Kiffin, but no one's talking about Lane Kiffin doing it, like you said. Um, Harbaugh went through his uh, his preseason tryout, gave each guy it's uh, his, uh, his start. McCarthy played better. McCarthy gets the job. Do you think um, part of Harbaugh's strategy was to prevent one of them from transferring? Is that a fair question? I think it is, but I think the play on the field, even against bad competition, Cade McNamara was pressing a little bit in the opener, and he was pressing in relief. And I, it's just one of those anybody with any two set of eyes. Like I can't, I can dig into the quarterback intricacies of it, but JJ McCarthy is just better. There's more talent. They are he. They average sixteen point three yards per play between his runs and passes. Sixteen point three. And I know it's bad competition, but from a talent perspective, he looks like the best quarterback they've had since Chad Henney. Maybe better. I, I, I see the arm talent. I see you, they go out of their way with him to show him high five and Cade and back and forth. But I think this was a very tough decision for Harbaugh because he sees a lot of Cade in him. You know, Harbaugh was kind of that captain comeback in the NFL, all those like leadership qualities that he's still revered at Michigan as the quarterback. And Cade embodied some of that. And then JJ, but JJ, the talent, you can't ignore it. I, I think with him, they they jump up a minute. They jump up a bit. They, with JJ McCarthy, provided he continues to mature, they have something that can go challenge Ohio State and Columbus. They have something that is akin to what Lincoln Riley has in USC right now with Caleb Williams. Like, I mean, six, 16.3 yards of play. If, and it'll probably be bad this week against UConn. So I, I, 
Twitter isn't in a big hurry to give Jim Harbaugh any credit ever, but <laughs> I think he played this one right. And if Cade, tran- Cade transfers, he transfers at this point. Yeah, he played it right. And it also played out as well as he could hope. Right. Right? I think he got the guy that he probably wanted, and it's a pretty clear cut uh, based on the two games. And so he's sort of off the hook in, in, in terms of, of getting second-guessed uh, as to who should be QB one, their third quarterback looked good. That's the other good news. Like they're getting reps for like the 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 water boys are getting reps in these games <laughs> that they're playing. They, I mean, and they they'll probably blow out UConn. And then I think it it could get a little interesting with Maryland because Maryland can get up and down a little bit, has scored a bunch of points, and, and then you get JJ McCarthy's first start at home against a Big Ten opponent. Then you go to Iowa. But I mean, like I said, I at the top. Um, with him, they have a team that that could compete to repeat for the Big Ten championship, and maybe even as we saw in the fourth quarter against Georgia, maybe something that can compete with the SEC heavyweights if they get to the playoff. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> well, it's going to take a little while to see him compete against something over a lightweight. Like you said, they've got UConn next. I mean, these three first three opponents are just you know bottom of the barrel. All of them ranked over one hundred in any one to one thirty one ranking. Um, with Colorado State and Hawaii and UConn. So these are are glorified scrimmages, but, you know, they're playing as well as they can play. They're doing what they're supposed to do. No complaints there about their performance. It's just the the unfortunate timing that all three of those programs are really, really down. Mm -hmm. Uh, One other uh, team I want to talk about, sneaky playoff candidate. Last year was Cincinnati, although they didn't really sneak up on people. What about BYU? That BYU, they came up with a big overtime win against Baylor. Really hard fought. Baylor was number nine in the country at the time. Uh, they won 26-20. Jalen Hall, a good game, a quarterback for, for the Cougars. They beat Oregon on Saturday. And, you know, uh, who knows what we're going to see out of Oregon. They're coming off a 49-3 loss to Georgia. And, uh, you know, they had an off week last week. Um, they, they, they're going to have their hands full again with BYU. Um but if BYU gets by Oregon this week, they've got what looks like two challenging games between them and a 12-0 and finish. And that's a, a, a game against Notre Dame in Las Vegas, neutral site against a team that certainly doesn't have a, their offense straightened out yet. Um, and then a home game against Arkansas. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what, what happens there. This program is 23-4 and over its last three seasons. Uh, even though they lost Zach Wilson to the NFL after 2020, um, they they haven't really slowed down. What what is your what are your thoughts on the Cougars uh, who have actually gone seven and one against the Power Five in the last two years? Yeah, that's a great stat you got there that you uh, put on here. And um, just imagining a world where Arkansas upsets Alabama on October 1st, knocks off Mississippi State, and then is that correct? They are going to BYU. Yeah. They'll go there and lose. They'll go and there and Provo. lose. Yeah. And that would be just so wild if, like, the SEC West champions' only blemish is in BYU. And this is the team that, you know, you go all the way back to 1984. That's the year I always default to with these guys. They won a national title by winning a Holiday Bowl. And they were that team that really was the fly in the ointment, got some changes going. 
Um, I talked to Robbie Bosco about that once. It's amazing that they did that. And and this team continues to win in those spotlight games. You and I both stayed up and watched the Baylor game over the weekend. That was college kickers at its best. But it was also a very kind of just physical, fun game to watch. You know, one thing I like watching with BYU is the linebackers. Uh, Max Tooley, Keenan Peely, Ben Bywater. Those guys hit. And they get every time I looked up, Keenan was on the football. I mean, just they were drilling people in that game. And if you love physical football, you'll love what Kalani has built there in Provo. They don't, I, a lot of people thought it would fall off the cliff after Zach Wilson. It really hasn't. So they could be a sneaky playoff team that we're probably, I mean, they're up high enough in the rankings that we're paying attention. But do you, do you think anybody really believes that like BYU is going to be in the top six when we get to November? Probably not. Right, they're still they're hanging around at number twelve, and if you keep winning, people are going to fall in front of you. Uh, and like I said, they got a couple of marquee games still left. Uh, people still pay attention to Notre Dame, even if they're struggling. And then who knows what you're going to get out of that Arkansas game? It's just it's pretty amazing. I mean, when they left the Mountain West Conference, they're going to be independent. And it's like, well, what's going to happen with this? You know, would it surprise you to know they have had a winning season every year but one uh, in uh, twelve years since they left? the mountain West. It's, it's, it's a solid program. And uh, like I said, especially the last three years, they have really taken off. I got a nice quarterback too. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they have that, they have that lineage of quarterbacks and they, they do things a little bit differently there, obviously. Um, but you know, it, it's, I remember talking to Bronco Mendenhall about this when he was the coach and he would say, I, I don't know if I have to wave a magic wand to get us in a power five conference that finally happened. And I think it's a byproduct of this. They're kind of this school in the playoff era that will go play anywhere, anybody, anywhere. They went to coast. Remember a couple of years ago, one of the best year, games of the year was them in coastal, coastal Carolina, Carolina. In, yep. in Conway. It's they've played big. They're playing Notre Dame in Vegas. It's just a very cool mindset to have around the program because I think they play a lot of Pac-12 schools too. I'm really interested to see. I believe I picked Oregon to win this game. We can talk about that later. But if they beat Oregon, yeah, I mean, they'll have the entire West Coast of attention. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll start paying attention to them for sure. All right. Thanks, Bill. That was our uh, our Wednesday show at the CFB All-America podcast. Uh, I'm Bill Trochi, and uh, we will be back tomorrow. Tune back in tomorrow to for our, our look ahead at week three. Got some good games to uh, to talk about, to preview. We'll make our predictions against the spread. We'll have some trivia. That's a good time. So come back tomorrow for the second edition of uh, this week's CFB All-America podcast. Thank you, everybody.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.